Well, Owen, thank you for joining us on today's episode of Plumbing Marketing Profits, where we interview leading plumbing and HVAC businesses and business minds from across the United States and internationally. On today's episode, we are excited and honored to be interviewing Scott Gregg, uh, the author of Profitable Plumbing, great book that he wrote on how to really run a successful and profitable plumbing business. And I was lucky enough to, to track him down and get his approval to be on our podcast today. So he's going to be sharing some great insights with us. Uh, Scott, thanks so much for joining us. Yes, no problem. Great. Well, just to, I guess, just to start, uh, can you tell us a little bit about your background and how you got into the, the plumbing trade in the first place? Well, it's uh, it's actually kind of a funny story. Um, back as long as I could remember growing up, I was interested in aviation. And okay. I wanted I wanted to be a fighter pilot. All right. Specifically F sixteen. You know, before the movie Top Gun and all that stuff, uh I was one of those kids that wanted to grow up fly, fly fighter pilots and uh basically be an Air Force officer, come up through the ranks, retire to be a glorified bus driver, uh flying <laughs> airlines and retire. That was the whole plan. Not but, yeah, not uh, a bad plan. All right. Yeah, it just sounded great. Uh but there was this one small problem. I couldn't get through the color blindness chart test. Ooh, okay. Yes. As a sophomore in high school, um, one of my uncles actually was a crew chief at the local uh, Air National Guard field, and I spent a day with him out there uh, playing around with the A-7 jets, and he, on a, on a request from my mother, took me to the infirmary, and we met the, the staff doctors there, and he showed me the eye test that I'd have to go through. And there's seven colorblindness books that you have to go through uh, and complete successfully. Basically, you flip the pages and you tell them what uh, figure or shape or letter or numbers on each page with all these scrambled dots and dashes of different colors. And I couldn't make it through the first one. Oh, so, boy. Wow. Yeah. So all those dreams were crushed in an instant. Uh, basically, the gentleman told me, he said, you can fly. You can fly private. You go to private flight school, and, you know, it's a little expensive, but you'll never fly for the United States government. Oh, my and goodness. That was the end of that. So here I am, high school sophomore, no direction. What in the hell am I going to do now? <laughs> and uh, my mother had just had a plumbing repair done, uh, like the week before or soon after. It was right around that same time period. And it was some silly little repair that, that we do all the time. You know, I, I want to say it was replacing a fill valve or something in the toilet tank. It was not a big deal. But it was like a hundred bucks or something like that. She was like, "You got to, you got to look into this plumbing thing because these guys make a ton of money." <laughs> uh, and you know what a joke that could be now, right? It depends on who you are. If your name's on the side of the truck, yes, you can. If you're a very valued employee, yes, you can. Uh, if you're just the run-of-the-mill guy in the ditch. You can make a good living, uh, right. but you're, you're not you're not going to be in the doctor lawyer dinner party crowd. Right, right. So we go from Don't there, be... and uh, I met up with an instructor at a local technical center who got my attention very quickly. Uh, waving those dollar signs, and down the road I went. Nice. And so you started your plumbing business, and, and kind of grew it over time, and obviously had a successful business. Um, obviously, you're, you're, you've moved on to, to other pastures. Uh, but you wrote a wonderful book along the way called P- uh, Profitable Plumbing. Uh, what I guess what prompted you to write that book? Well, as uh, the career paths changed, um, 
side to side and up and down and back and forth, I found myself in the rep agency side of things, uh, working as a manufacturer's rep. And one of the things we did was training classes for various equipment that we represented. And it became okay. very obvious that plumbers generally have no clue how to sell anything. Um, and I know that's a, a big, broad brush. There's a lot of folks that do, but there's a thousand that don't for every one that does. Mm-hmm. And most are most are programmed to fix or patch up old stuff instead of even offering something new or better, which might make the customer more happy and, of course, help them make more money. Um, a lot of our brethren still think profit's a dirty word. <laughs> and, you know, we need to change that mindset. We need to change the mindset of why should you replace something you can fix. Uh, you know what? If you're dealing with someone on a fixed income that doesn't have a lot of money, uh, that's an honorable thing to do. But if you have customers that may want something newer, better, more efficient, shinier, a different color, you know, those are opportunities for, for all of us to, to make our own families' uh, lives better. Okay. And of course, the customer the customer doesn't know they want it if it, they don't know it exists. Sure. So no doubt. Just learning some basic uh, basic things, basic sales presentations, we're able to offer them choices and let them decide. Nice. And so armed with armed with that knowledge that wow, these, these, some of these plumbers aren't you know really positioning themselves well. They're not selling well. They're not as profitable as they should be. You took your knowledge and expertise and years in the field and, and wrote this book. Mm-hmm. Yes. Excellent. That's fantastic. So, I mean, you share some, some really valuable insights in the book, and, and I recommend everybody go to ProfitablePlumbing.com and purchase a copy of the book because we're not going to be able to cover everything in the scope of this interview. But, you know, you cover things like how to set up the truck correctly, you know, how you should set up your business entity, how to write your business plan, even even suggestions on how to set up your records for bookkeeping. Uh, but, of course, the, the real focus of this uh, this interview and this podcast is around marketing and how to get new customers, maintain those customers, and grow your profits from that specific equation. Um, and I really feel like any marketing plan has to have three core components. Um, you should have target market, you know, who you're selling your, your services to, who your ideal customer is, uh, your message in that how you position yourself in the eyes of your customer so they choose you over the competition. And then, of course, on with those two, you can start to look at media and where you can advertise yourself, whether it be in the yellow pages or online or in direct mail or on print or just with, you know, the, the signage that you have on your truck and elsewhere. When you, I guess, when you were in, in your plumbing business, how did you position yourself uh, or what was, actually, let's start with what was your, uh, what was your target market and what target market did you go after? Okay. Well, for, for myself personally, and you're absolutely right, by the way, uh, your, your market, your demographics, who do you want to sell to, that's the first thing that I think you need to determine. Yep. There's, you open the yellow pages, and there's almost enough plumbing contractors to have another yellow pages. Yeah. It's crazy. And the yellow pages, uh, while they can be great for specific things, most of the time they attract the, the shopping customer. You know, mm. what's your rate? What's your rate? Well, the other guy's $5 less an hour for his rate, or the other guy's, you know, $5 less on his service call. And you spend all your time arguing with folks. Uh, knowing who you're going to sell is a very key thing. 
I happened uh, to decide that I wanted to first focus on a small network of realtors that I had kind of developed at first by accident, but then uh, I grew it by simply asking around, by calling and stopping by real estate offices and asking um, the folks if I could get in front of their salespeople. In many cases, they were smaller outfits, and, you know, the people whose name was on the door was the salesperson. And I found very quickly they always need a plumber to fix just do little minor repairs, or maybe you got an old corroded kitchen faucet that they need to slap one, slap a replacement on or something to sell the house. Yeah, and just being, being there, Johnny, on the spot to fix little problems quickly got me started right off the bat. Okay. Uh, and was that typically and, at the at the point of the realtor selling the house or listing the house? When were they typically needing your services, or was it just kind of uh, all throughout the process? Well, mostly when they were when they were going to list the house to sell, uh, okay. they would spot things because realtors are kind of trained to spot all the shiny stuff on the surface. They want you to paint your front door, you know. They mm-hmm. they want you to leave your furniture in the house. They're selling the house based on appearance more than anything else. So when, when they find that faucet that's, that's dripping, they need it fixed. There's a toilet that's running or constantly stops up. We gotta get another toilet in here. It's just minor stuff in the grand scheme of plumbing that needs to be fixed, but they need it fixed right now. Um, yeah. And I, I stocked my vehicle based on those needs. If I got a sales call to a house from a realtor that said, hey, this outdoor faucet uh, hose spigot is, is not working, uh, it, it busted behind the house and they shut the valve off and had to work for 10 years, can you fix it? Yeah, I got one on the van. So I'd pull up, be fixing that, and half the time while I'm there, they're saying, hey, um, you know, we've got this old kitchen faucet that looks awful. Is there anything we can do with that? Well, yeah, I have one of those on the truck, too. And you'd be surprised how much residual business you get quite by accident just by being prepared, having a few basic things on the truck. Don't take up a whole lot of space. Uh, but, you know, just having it when you need it. There's an old saying, Excellent. you can't sell from an empty wagon. True. So, True. I learned how to put the right stuff on my wagon. <laughs> nice. And so that turned out to be a, a pretty good market for you in that it was a great referral channel, but also opened up, you know, once you did that house for the homeowner, did you get exposure to the homeowner as well at that point, or was it really just through the uh, through the realtor? Absolutely. Um, one of the things that I did is I made up a, a bunch of little flyers that I printed off on my own computer about my business, and I asked the realtor to include them in their closing package. Nice. Well, all of a sudden, a new homeowner for a house that that has been owned before, sometimes multiple times, an older home, these people don't have a plumber. They don't Mm -hmm. even know a plumber. Well, now they do, and it's me. Absolutely. Beautiful. So now you're you're getting the the business that's right there, right then, but then you're also planting the seeds for those long-term customer relationships. Exactly, exactly. Now, was that your only target, or did you also, you know, have other, you know, broadly defined demographics that you went after? Well, there was there was two others, um, and again, in my case, it was a little bit more by accident. One of these realtors ended up owning uh, a realty company in a very high end part of the Richmond, Virginia area, and okay. her husband was one of the lead surgeons at MCV Hospital. And they lived in, you know, the right neighborhood in the right part of, of town. 
and they knew all of the doctor-lawyer dinner party crowd. And I found out very quickly that those people who really have made it, that have a ton of money, in most cases, they're the most victimized by the tradespeople. So they'll have somebody they don't know that they call to their house to do some minor repairs, and they look around this big old mansion, and they see a blank check. And right, like I found, Yeah. I found that by treating those folks honestly and uh, very respectfully and professionally, not only did I get invited back into their home to do other work, they spread my name all over the place. And before you know it, that was about all the work I was doing was for, nice. you know, Folks that are making somewhere near a million bucks or more a year, right? And, so the the, you know, the they, really they the higher end the higher end customer, exactly. They don't go to Home Depot and buy stuff and try to screw it together themselves. They're busy, right? They they want someone they can call. They'll give them a fair price. And I didn't cut them any deals, <laughs> you know. Be sure of that. But hmm. they got a fair price. They got great work, great service. Um, didn't have to worry about who was coming into their home, and it all worked out very well. Nice. In, in fact, I'll give you a, another little side example there. From that, um, I was riding down, heading to the supply house to restock the van one day, and noticed that there was a granite company right next to my favorite supply house. So I stopped in, and I asked the granite company if if, uh, if they hired plumbers outside or if they had their own, and they actually looked at me like I was crazy. Well, we don't have any plumbers. Well, what do you do for the, you know, you do granite kitchens and stuff, right? Well, yeah. Um, well, who does all the plumbing work? Someone's got to disconnect the sinks, reconnect the sinks, hook up the dishwashers, garbage disposers, all this stuff. We don't know. And uh, I gave them a stack of business cards, and I said, well, I would appreciate your referral business. And, uh, you know, if, if you could let folks know that I'd be glad to work with them on that. I'd appreciate it. And they said, no problem. And the next thing you know, I'm in that same high-end customer's home doing basic disconnect and reconnect work, hooking up garbage disposers, you know, hooking up sinks that are mounted by someone else because most of those are undermounts. It, it, that turned into another great opportunity for the business. Nice. So realtors, high-end high -end target market, and then the, the granite installers, and that was, it seemed like they all brought you into the higher-end customer on the front end of the relationship that really set the seeds for you to have a lot of repeat and referral business from your right kind of customers through the, the tenure of your business. Exactly. Nice. Uh, my name was never, ever in the yellow pages. Okay. And I'm not so talking all... those who do. I'm saying mine wasn't. <laughs> okay. Sure. Sure. I mean, different different avenues for different people. So that's, um, that's great, some great insights and some great things that a lot of our listeners might not have even considered because it is outside the box. I mean, it's not what your typical uh, let's let's buy a list of people and send them some you know letters in the mail or let's set up a website and do internet marketing. It's really picking the people that have influence over the kind of clients that you want to work with and and developing relationships with them. More of a uh, referral marketing type strategy. Yeah, and, and the key the key word that you said is relationships. Uh, you're not trying to get one job with one customer. You cannot make mm -hmm. a good living like that. You have to have the relationship. You have to be their plumber. You have to ask for the referrals. That's a relationship. When people get to know you a little bit, and yep. then they keep having you back, 
and if, if you're not that guy, if you're not the person that wants to, to have those kind of conversations with a customer, they forget you way too quickly. Mm-hmm. And the next time they need a plumber, they don't even remember who you were. Right. Yeah. So I guess with that as the foundation, how are you positioning yourself with not only the, you know, the realtor or the branded installer, but then with the customer as well? And I think you touched on it a little bit, but what were some of the things you did to uniquely position yourself for that target market? Well, those were the biggies uh, right there. The biggest thing that I did was I focused on honesty and integrity. Sure. But at the same time, offered solutions, including upgrades, wherever possible. Uh, mm-hmm. A good, for instance, would be back to that solid surface countertop company, um, garbage disposers. You know, I, I would be in a person's house, and my job, the reason that I was there, was to go into that home and hook everything back up that used to be under the sink before the granite guy showed up, and now I've got a beautiful $20,000 kitchen and nothing's working because it's all unhooked <laughs> and cut loose underneath. Right. So my job is to put it back together, um, and in most cases... I would find a 10-year-old garbage disposer in parts that someone else took loose because it wasn't. They, they did about half of their own demo work, and mm-hmm. so I've got this garbage disposer in a box with all the strainer parts and everything. And uh, it's huge; it's the size of a five-gallon bucket. You know, it's 10 years old. And these people spent all this money on this kitchen. And the first time I, I tried this, it was just kind of on a whim. The, the lady of the house. Usually in my neighborhood, the lady of the house, she had pulled up a chair to watch every move I made, and mm-hmm. she wants to talk about everything. Well, that's the key, too. Let them. Do not run your customers off. I, there's a lot of people think it's annoying when the homeowner is breathing down your neck. It's the best thing you could ask for. Sure. Let, let them. Keep them there. Ask them questions. Keep them talking while you're working. You know, don't stop and, and have chit-chats and, and tea and crumpets. You gotta, you gotta get your work done so you can move on. But if you got that person around you and they're talking, you're gonna make some money while you're at that house. And what would happen, here I am with this garbage disposer, and I would just simply ask the lady, hey, geez, how old is this garbage disposer? And they'd say, well, it was here when we bought the house. So it's about 10 years ago, so it's at least that old. Does it work? Yeah, I guess it works. Is it, is it loud? And, oh, yeah, that thing sounds like a lawnmower. Are you kidding? It's real loud. Well, look, i tell you what. i got to put this thing back anyway. I've got a brand-new Badger 5 on the truck. It's quiet. It's got a five-horse motor. I'm sorry, a five-year warranty, uh, three-quarter horse motor. It's, it's the same. Uh, I did it again. One-third horse motor. Getting my, my things mixed up in my head here. <laughs> it, it's half the size. It's half the noise. The labor's free because I'm either going to put back this one or a new one. And you spend all this money on the kitchen. You know, I got the new disposer. If you're interested, I'll put it in while I'm here. And like I said, the labor's free. Well, you know, right. sometimes no, that's a no-brainer. Brain, no yeah. Are you kidding me? Every once in a while, they say, let me call my husband. Not one ever, ever told me no. I sold dozens and dozens of the damn things right off the truck. Nice. And and at the time, they were quite a bit less money than they were today. I was getting a price break, buying them three at a time. And I've turned those things regularly. And it's just a silly little error of you know, recognizing an opportunity and then sure. cashing in on it. Because it's the same. Once you're in one of these neighborhoods, 
all the houses got the same stuff. And most of the homes around them have the same stuff and of the same vintage. So once you've identified it, it's just, it's, it's easy money. And the customers are happy because they understand fully what you just did. They're not stupid. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and you didn't tell them they didn't need or want. You gave them an option. Not a hard right. sell. Um, hard sells, dishonest practices, I'm dead against. Offering solutions, offering options, I'm all for. And that's that's kind of what I try to teach folks in the book. Learn how to offer options. Absolutely. So that I mean that's a, that's a really good really good positioning. I guess we we talked a little bit about the marketing channels, mostly referral partners. Um, were there any other marketing avenues or marketing media that you used? For instance, direct mail, public relations, networking. Imagine, you know, based on your approach, maybe BNI, Chamber of Commerce type of things. Or was it just those three main avenues? Really, uh, for myself, it was the referral partners exclusively. Okay. And that's that's just because I I was not looking to grow a business with multiple trucks and multiple employees. Mm-hmm. I wanted to keep it simple and keep it profitable. That I had no desire to work 80-hour weeks. And you know what? When you focus on the high-end customers, you don't have to. Uh, right, and you, you didn't yourself, have a large, a large expense for the marketing uh, budget channel either because it was all your, your energy. That's correct. And, and there's plenty of people out there with bunches of trucks and all kinds of marketing money thrown into things and, and vehicle wraps and lots of lettering and signage on their vehicles. Uh, at that time, I didn't even have my name on the truck. Hmm. And I, I never got to where I felt it was necessary in my particular case. And I'll be very clear, that's my case. I had different goals. Right. Everyone is going to have their own goals, uh, mm-hmm. their own path. Uh, I tried my best to write this book for the person who is just starting out in plumbing, working for somebody okay. else, as well as offer some things to the folks that have 20 trucks on the road and maybe some mm-hmm. things to help them sell and make more money that, that maybe they haven't thought of. Uh, sure, absolutely. There's, as you know, you've read it, there's a lot more emphasis put on finding opportunities to, to make more money and sell more yep. stuff than there is on running your business. Yeah, uh, there's a little bit of the business stuff up front, but it's not that kind of book. That's not why I wrote it. Um, there's lots of people out there that can tell you a lot of things better than myself about the business side. Uh, those books exist, but there wasn't one for selling. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and like you said, it it really depends upon your goals and and based on the lifestyle that you wanted, and you set up your business to match the lifestyle you were trying to develop, and it seems like it it worked out really well for you. Yeah, and, and I'm a huge believer in certain advertising mediums, um, direct mail, radio ads. I think those are huge. I, I've had some experience um, since those days involving direct mail and radio spots, and I've seen the kind of results that they produce. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's not for your average one-truck guy. It's right. got to be for someone who has the machine that's able to handle the volume of calls that, that it can produce. And, uh, you know, if you're doing something targeting a specific kind of uh, customer or appliance or service, then those things make great sense. If it's okay. just to advertise the plumbing business, I think the referral is a much stronger much stronger thing. 
and especially for those listeners that that do have a marketing centric business with yellow pages and TV and are doing really well, maybe implementing some of this referral marketing, you know, getting one of their guys just to focus on strategic alliances could open up a whole new uh, stream of qualified customers and qualified leads into the business. So it's great it's great knowledge and it's great feedback for them. I like to think so. <laughs> so you mentioned realtors, you mentioned um, higher-end homes, you mentioned granite installers. In the book you mentioned some others. Are there any others that you think maybe even though you didn't target them that would still be really good uh, referral-type opportunities? Well, if they are, I'd have to come out with a uh, second edition of that book. <laughs> <laughs> gotcha. <laughs> to to gotcha. come up with more. I, I'm a huge believer in starting out uh, with realtors, the sales folks, the folks that are out there in the trenches trying to move properties, uh, especially mm-hmm. now. The real estate market's a tough, tough business, um, and there's so many things that can be in an existing home that needs repair. You've got all these foreclosed properties out there. Some of them have been trashed, and they need much, much more than just minor repairs, um, scavenged and the like. There's a lot of business there, a whole lot of business. And then, of course, once you're in there getting the referrals, if, if you had to hire someone, let's say you need an electrician and maybe you didn't know one, you would probably start by asking your friends or your family, hey, do you know a guy? Right. The best thing in the world you can be is that guy. You want to be that guy, exactly. Yeah, exactly. The, the, the referral, nothing is stronger than that, especially once you've got that reputation as an honest plumbing contractor. I mean, let's face it. We don't have the best reputation out there as far as uh, business folks and tradesmen. And fair or not, it is what it is. And once you have developed that reputation, guard it jealously, uh, make sure that you have your folks uh, represented as the, the cleanest, most professional uh, plumbers that you can offer your customer, and they'll have you back. But if they think for a minute they're getting taken advantage of, that's a different story. And I'm not talking about giving away your work um, or cutting prices or any of that stuff. That's not how you make any money. I'm just talking about having a structure of your business and your pricing, quite frankly, that the homeowner can understand um, in treating every deal and every customer honestly and respectfully and then asking for that magic referral before you leave. Right. Absolutely. You, you talked about in the section of the book on profit boosters, about ways to enhance the profitability through through upsells. Can you talk a little bit more about, about that particular topic? Sure. Okay. Well, like like the garbage disposer um, replacement story, uh, which is 100% true, by the way, it's recognizing the opportunities, learning how to walk into a house and notice what that homeowner need needs or what that homeowner might be interested in. Um, mm-hmm. Maybe it's a, a toilet seat that's stained beyond mercy, and, I mean, that's a little <laughs> bit of a – Unpleasant subject, but hey, let's, we're all grown ups here. Um, you know what? There's money in toilet seats, so people wouldn't make them and sell them. If right. you got a nice white toilet seat on your truck that's brand new, you'd be surprised how many of those you can sell. Sure. Uh, maybe, maybe you notice the homeowner, uh, you're in there to fix a drippy lav faucet, and you notice that they've got one of the first generation low flow toilets. 
everybody hates those. Mm-hmm. And you'd be shocked at how many homeowners have them. Still, there's hundreds of thousands of them, and they don't know that, that that's been changed. They don't know that those companies have been through the research and development and that today's toilets actually work and are worth having. You know, they may not even have uh, thought about that they can replace that with not only a toilet that won't stop up every time they flush it, but maybe they want one that's a little bit taller. If you've ever lived in a house that had a, a right height toilet with a bowl that didn't stop up, you, that'd be the first thing you changed in every house you ever lived in. <laughs> right, but like, a lot of people don't even realize it. Yeah, you know, hey, I noticed you've got one of these uh, first-generation low-floor toilets that stop up, and then just shut up and let them complain right. for the next 10 minutes on how often I say, hate this toilet. Right. So, you know what? I can put you a brand-new Briggs in here or whatever your favorite brand of toilet is, you know, Mansfield, Kohler, I don't care. But be prepared with that and be prepared with a round ballpark number on what you want for it. And, you know, hey, I can put you in a, a real nice right-height toilet for X amount of money. It takes about an hour. Maybe you have one on the truck. Maybe you don't. You have to reschedule. But now they have something to think about. You, you identified a problem that you know they had before you asked them the question. Because the right. farmers out there, they know what they're looking at. Mm-hmm. All right? It's a big house. You know, Gee, this is a big house. Does it take you a long time to get hot water to the, the master bath? And shut up. And right. let them complain. Oh, God, it takes 10 minutes to get hot water. Well, now you're about to sell them one of those nice recirculating systems. There's mm-hmm. several of them on the market, retrofit. They're not difficult to install, and they're high-profit sales. And now you've identified a problem. The homeowner wasn't even thinking about it when they called you to their house, but now it's all they can think about. I didn't know you could fix that. <laughs> right. So yeah, those are, those are, yeah. Yeah, you're mastering the soft sell. You're not selling them anything. Mm-hmm. You're asking them questions that you know the answers to and letting them solve themselves, letting them explain the problem and offering them a solution. Absolutely. Run, and when, run and when you, right yeah, when you talk about, you know, being a more profitable plumbing business, there, there's a huge opportunity there. I mean, if you think about the average plumbing business and their technicians out in the field going on calls, you know, if you spent some time and just brainstormed, all right, here's what we're doing on a typical service call, and then brainstormed the possible upsells, and a great place to start is with, you know, with Scott's book because he gives a number of examples above and beyond what he just mentioned and, and really tees it up for you to say, okay, here is the opportunity to turn a $70 service call into a, $350,000 or so transaction, which can improve the profitability of every service call that you do. Um, so that's that's huge. Sure. And if nothing else, maybe you get called back a month later because that person is now, every morning, they get up, they're going to the sink, and they're turning the hot water faucet on, then they're going to the toilet, and they spend a few minutes in there, and then they come back to the sink because it might finally be starting to get warm. Now it's bugging them. They can't stand it, you know. <laughs> and, right. And, again, we're not trying to sell folks stuff they don't want and they don't mm-hmm. need. We're just letting them know what's available based on our own level of knowledge that we develop in the field every day. And and then we're offering them multiple solutions and let them decide what they want, you know, based on right. the information we give them. 
Absolutely. So, I mean, now, now obviously you're on the manufacturer's rep side of the equation, and you have a lot of insights to products and services that are selling and what's not, and really some of the more high-profit, higher-ticket value options that some of our listeners might, might not be aware of or might not be tapping into. Um, tell us a little bit about what you've seen as some of the really high-profit, high-transaction products or services that you recommend they start to look into. Well, there are a few in particular that really stand out. Um, the first one is tankless water heaters. That is uh, sure. probably, that's one of the most popular things to talk about on any home improvement radio show or anything. People always want to know about them. And it never ceases to surprise me how many plumbers just don't get it. Uh, mm. You know, they, it's much easier to say, well, those things don't work or I don't believe in those, I don't like those, than it is to go sit through a class and learn something and find out not only do they work, they work awfully well, and people love them. And hmm. when they get them, they treat them as if they just bought a new car. I mean, I have had uh, people that didn't know what I do brag to me about their tankless water heaters. I had a next neighbor <laughs> that I saw at a food line, a uh, local grocery store here, and he had moved about a year before. I hadn't seen him in a while. And the first thing he wants to tell me about is, you're not going to believe this, man. I got one of those newfangled tankless water heaters in my house, and, you know, I've got two daughters, and I haven't had a hot shower in five years, and now I can stay in there all day. And he told me all about this stuff, and I uh, happened to be that I was repping one of them, and I didn't tell him. I just kind of enjoyed the moment. Um, right. But those things can be very profitable. If, if you sell and install them at a competitive price, and, again, again I'm not talking about giving them away, um, in our area, the going rate is about 3500 bucks for a retrofit, and that's um, very subjective to your local area. So it's not Children's Stone anywhere. I'm just letting you know my area. Right. There are folks out there that want $6,000 for the same job, and mm-hmm. they do one a year. And yet I've got a guy in northern Virginia, uh, my biggest customer, has put in over a 1000 of them. That's all he does. All he does is tankless water heaters, and 99% of them are mine, and he's got a hell of a good business going. And his guys yeah. are able to do a, a retrofit in three hours. Wow. I've never got I've never got that fast, but that's all they do. And, and you know mm-hmm. how it is. If, if that's what you do every day, you're going to become the best at it. Sure. And it's extremely profitable for them. Okay. Um, that's, that's one. Um, condensing boilers and just boiler work in general. In parts of the country, like the Northeast, boilers are huge, and there's plenty of people that do boiler work and know what they're doing. In sure. my market, not so much. I mean, I'm in the, um, the Maryland, Virginia area, and most of the good boiler folks, not all, of course, there's still several around that, that do a great job, but there's a lot of them that are just dead or retired. And there's still people out there. I, I could wear your... Uh, your recording machine out telling you horror stories from bad boiler work that I've seen. Huh. People that own a plumbing and heating business that should never be allowed to touch a boiler. But that's great money in that stuff if you're the guy that knows how to fix that equipment or knows how to replace that equipment. That could be great work. So boilers. And and how would you recommend someone get get up to speed on boilers if if that's something that's popular in their area? Um, Any suggestions on that? Get into the training classes. Call your local wholesaler, the folks you're buying your equipment from. 
and get on a list somewhere, get into the training classes from the manufacturers. Every major manufacturer runs training classes. Some are better than others. They're all worth going to. In most cases, they're free. Uh, in some cases, there might be a, a little charge for covering the food because it's almost always a lunch included. Um, but there's, there's great information there. And the information you use, you learn in a Burnham class, you can use on a peerless boiler. You know, the information you get from a peerless class, you can use on anybody else's boiler. Just, it, that's how you get the knowledge. Go to the classes. Um, if you've got people working for you, get them in the classes. Uh, we have plenty of folks. Well, I can't afford to send my guys to class. Well, that's stupid. If you can't afford to have knowledgeable people, you're probably in the wrong business. Sorry. <laughs> right, uh, right. Maybe you ought to find something else to do. <laughs> sure, sure. And if they, and if, you, and if they you. did, if they did just one boiler or they did just one tankless install, we'd probably pay for that training right off the bat anyway. So the return on investment would be there. Oh, absolutely, and it's there very quickly. Yeah. Uh, condensing yeah. boilers are kind of the latest thing in the boiler market. They're kind of like the tankless water heaters on the boiler side of things. They're small, they're wall hung, they're extremely efficient. Um, most of them use what's called outdoor reset, where they adjust their boiler water temperature based on how cold it is outside. Mm-hmm. And the reason they do that, on a 50-degree day, you need heat. But you don't need the same amount of heat that you do on a 20-degree day. Right. So the boiler adjusts itself. And learning how to deal with that equipment will help you sell. I mean, those things are expensive. You know, I, big time. They're two, three times as much money as just replacing a cast iron boiler with a cast iron boiler. And, and why you want to have that knowledge, most boilers are grossly oversized. Okay. I've been in countless homes where you go in and there's a boiler that's 200,000 BTUs and the house really only needs about 80. So if you huh. learn something about boilers and you learn how to spot those opportunities, not only are you going to be able to sell them a replacement to their piece of equipment, you're going to save them so much money on fuel and increase their comfort level in that house so much, you just became their new plumbing and heating guy forever. Right. Yeah. You know, I've, I've seen there's a, there's a big thing between oil and propane conversions now. A lot of the propane companies obviously are pushing it. Uh, most of these propane companies also are oil companies, and they sell both. And they've learned that if they go into a home and it has an oil boiler, that they can go back in with a correctly sized condensing, high-efficiency, wall-mounted boiler, replace that giant old dinosaur, mm-hmm. give the homeowner all that space back, and there's all kinds of benefits associated with that, not the least of which is in about five years they're going to save so much money not buying, you know, five six thousand dollars a year in oil, but they pay right. for the boiler. They pay yeah. for the job. And in some cases, in my area, the boilers have what's called a tankless core that produces domestic hot water. Also, well, that means I have to run this giant cast iron boiler in the summer to have hot water. The boiler's in the basement. The basement mm-hmm. you can't stand to be in the basement because it's ninety degrees down there. Mm-hmm. So now my air conditioning load is also greater because I have to air condition upstairs against the waste heat off the boiler downstairs. So that goes away right. too. Yeah. So there's just tons of opportunities in, in boiler work. Okay. 
Excellent. So tankless, tankless and boilers, big opportunities that you're seeing missed in in, in a lot of cases. Yep. Uh, any others? Well, that you, another one. Radiant. Okay. And yeah, that's that's super high end work. Um, the the last time I was involved directly in selling radiant wasn't that long ago. What we got to where we were telling people is, when a contractor would call us and say, "Hey, I got this house. The folks are interested in radiant." Well, first thing you want to do is find out how interested are they. Give them thirteen dollars a square foot, and if they're still interested, right. call me back. Do the uh, the blink test. You got it, and and I'm telling you, you better do it if you're going to do radiant, or you will have people chasing your tail, doing radiant layouts and design work and quotes for jobs that. As soon as you give them the thing, Never. they're done. I mean, they fall on the floor. You gotta be kidding me! I had no idea it was this expensive. So, you gotta learn how to qualify your customers for some of this high-end stuff. Um, and that goes all the way back to the tankless water heaters. You know, they're not for everybody. It's not one size fits all. Mm-hmm. You can you can replace the tank that they have for half the cost. I think it's worth it. I think it's way worth it. Most customers do, but not all of them do. It just depends mm-hmm. on the customer. Uh, right. If you got somebody with a rental property, you're probably not going to sell them a tankless water heater, <laughs> unless sure. they're also right. paying the utilities, and that's different. But, um, yeah, I mean, uh, th- those kinds of sales are always going to put more money in your pocket for the same hour's work. Got it. Good, good, good stuff. Uh, another thing that you mentioned in, in the book was, the merits of becoming a specialist, and you actually mentioned it about this um, customer of yours that does just, I think you said he just specializes in tankless. Um, can you elaborate a little bit on the, I guess, maybe the benefits or why you think it would be a benefit to pick a specific area and be the area expert in that? Well, when when you are the area expert in any one particular niche of the trade, you kind of become the go-to guy. You're the guy that people are going to end up calling when they've hired someone that doesn't know what they're doing, that didn't get the training, and they botched the job. Right. Uh, how, how many homeowners are going on the Internet now buying equipment that they have no business buying off the Internet? The only reason they're doing it is to try to keep your listeners from making any money, and then they try it because they watch HGTV, and they screw it all up. <laughs> and now somebody's got to fix it. And right. the plumbers listening are sitting there nodding their heads right now laughing because they know it's true. They've all had those phone calls. And I'm telling them right now, go make your money. And make the money you lost because you're going to be the guy that can fix that stuff. You're going to be the right. going to cut out all the crap that they did and redo it. Um, another very good friend of mine is a geothermal contractor. He's the water furnace dealer in, in my yeah. area. And I know, I've known his father for probably 15 years. He's now uh, taken over the business. His father's retired at a relatively young age, I might add, and he's doing very well with it. He is probably the most expensive guy in the state for geothermal, and he's okay. proud of that. He's very mm-hmm. good with it. Uh, if you want him to put geo in your house, he's going to come out there, explain everything, uh, give you a full court press presentation on what you're going to get for your money, what it's going to save you in energy versus, you know, the normal stuff, uh, which in our area is heat pumps primarily. And Mm -hmm. if you choose to use him, you're going to pay a lot of money. But But you're going to get a job, and you're dealing with the expert. Oh, his jobs are perfect. They're beyond good. They're perfect. 
if there's a problem with a job of his, it's equipment related, and that's pretty rare. Mm. You know, and and if there is something that happens, he's the first guy there getting it done, getting it fixed right now. Uh, he's given his consumers what they pay for, and at the end of the day, they're all happy to pay him. And his father's philosophy was he wanted to charge enough money because the work's not easy. Uh, you know, Gina Thumble, you've got quite a bit of ditch work involved. Plus, you're, you know, it's HVAC. You're going to be in the hot attics in the summertime and the cold basements in the wintertime and breaking ice in the ditches and all this. He wanted to make enough money to where if he got the job, he could smile when he was in that ditch full of mud. It, it was worth, it was worth the, worth all the work. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and he built the whole business around it and it works just great. Wow. Yes, yeah, so and there's definitely some merits to becoming the expert in whatever the topic is, repiping, geothermal, water heaters, torrential yeah. sewer replacement, leak detection. Because as the as the subject matter expert, well, first of all, you've obviously got the expertise. You're, you can get business from other plumbing businesses. But more importantly, you can charge more because you're the expert and you're the go-to guy. Exactly. Yeah, great, great stuff. So – over, I guess, over your career, especially when you were, you know, full-time in the plumbing business, were, were there any specific training programs or organizations that were particularly impactful in your career? Um, you know, some of the some of the other interviewees have mentioned, like PHCC and QSC and NextStar. Have you engaged in any of those programs? I've been involved with the PHCC a little bit um, okay. from the from the rep side of things. Uh, other than going to local picnics when I was in the in the trade, I really didn't get that involved in the PHCC. Um, no particular reason. It's, uh, it's probably something I, I should have looked into. Uh, but as far as training programs, all of them. I have okay. been through so many training programs, I can't name them all. And I've never been mm-hmm. sorry that I went. Uh, some of them are total BS. They're glorified sales pitches. And right now, a whole bunch of listeners are nodding their head and laughing. Yep, you're absolutely right. Sure are. But there's probably something that you learn at, at those two that maybe you didn't expect. But most of them are a wealth of information and really will help you be at the top of your trade. Um, sure. I, I tell folks in my training classes, one of the first things I tell them, is, do you want to be in the top 1% of this trade? Read the directions. Right. And all of them start laughing. And they, none of them will admit it. They don't do it. You know, when you're dealing with a piece of equipment that you haven't installed before, take 10 minutes, get the manual out, get your cigarette, a cup of coffee, and take a break. Read it. It's going to keep you from stepping in something bad eventually. And yeah. you've lost, what, 10, 15 minutes? And the training programs are a great way to get things that you can't get out of the manual. And I don't care what the equipment is that you're going to a class on. It doesn't matter. You're going to learn a lot of stuff in those in those classes. And as as far as the BS side of it's concerned, these guys aren't stupid. If they're going to the classes, they're not the stupid part of our trade, number one. And mm-hmm. they can usually spot the BS when it starts flowing. Uh, one of my favorite things when I'm teaching a class is when somebody that's there has been to a competitor's class and asked me a question about something they heard at the competitor's class. It changes the uh, the whole tone of the meeting. It opens up minds. It helps me keep the competitors honest. Uh, you know, 
sometimes it's just asking a question that needed to be asked anyway that is a, an opportunity to, to teach uh, or even learn as the teacher. Every once in a while, your customers come up with some stuff that they heard you didn't hear before. Mm-hmm. Um, that's hard hard for those of us that's from the class to admit sometimes, but it happens, and that's okay, you know. But when you catch one of your competitors that spent an hour running down your stuff with a load of you-know-what, mm-hmm. that's just that's just so much fun to shoot that stuff when that happens. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I, I can't stress enough. The trainings is what will put you at the top of the trade. Yeah. No doubt, and then I guess from a from a business perspective, you mentioned a couple of books in the in the, in your book that you recommend. Were, were there any business or, or you know specific books that you felt were you know powerful enough to reference and, and suggest other people take take a look at? The books that that really helped me the most were the ones that taught me how to deal and relate to people. Okay. Um, you know, any of the Zig Ziglar books. The Dale Carnegie books, as cheesy as that might sound, those are great books. Absolutely, you can really learn a lot from them. And if you don't like people, you're not going to do very well as a business person. Right. You have, you have to to get those skills. And they don't teach you that in school. Some people have it naturally. Um, some people don't. And you can get it. Just open your mind. Uh, check some of those out. The the Who Moved My Cheese book, probably okay. the goofiest shortest book I've ever read, and I love it. It's fantastic, I, isn't it? Yeah. I, I reread it almost every year just to remind myself that I'm not in charge. Right. You know, if you if you want to make God laugh, there's all the old joke, tell him your plan. Right. Everybody's got to learn how to deal with change, and that's what that's what that little short, short book does. Um, yeah. Use the Internet. The Internet is a wealth of knowledge for everything, including our trade. Um, my favorite site to this day is plbg.com. It's, it's a little advice forum site where plumbers can go and basically offer free advice to homeowners who have questions about stuff. Most of them want to do something themselves, and most of them can. So they go there to find solutions to their problems. And I've learned a lot on that site you know, from other people who specialize in things that I don't have a whole lot of knowledge about. Hmm. So it's a, it's a great place to kind of give a little bit back and at the same time get a little bit. Absolutely. There's a lot of a lot of folks on there with a ton of experience, some retired guys. There, there's guys on there that are hydronics experts. Um, there's guys on there that have been in business for 30, 40 years. They've got all that. There's drain cleaning guys. There's water treatment guys. Um, anybody you can think of, if you've got a question that has to do with pulling, that's a great place to go get an answer. Get some um, additional additional insight. Yeah, and even though I don't always agree with some of those folks, I've got a tremendous respect for all of them. Uh, as one guy in particular, I won't mention any names, but he and I always argue about tankless water heaters. Well, <laughs> you know what? This guy's been doing it for a long time. He knows a lot more than I do. He's wrong about that aspect, but he knows a lot more than I do, and I respect him fully. Um, it's actually owned by a guy that has an online supply house company, a guy named Vic. <clears throat> and he's retired now um, for the most part, and he's just a great guy. I mean, he sunk a lot of money into that thing just to give back. Um, nice. Read here's – a, here's a big one. Read the trade magazines. They're all free. 
uh, Contractor Magazine, PHC News, Plumbing Engineer Magazine, uh, The Wholesaler. That's a few I can think of off the top of my head. I think I get like seven or eight a month. They don't mm-hmm. cost you anything. And sure. every one of them is going to have a, a handful of articles in there that are technical-based, uh, some of them around the latest year. You're going to be able to keep up with what's new. You're going to be able to keep up with the market trends. You're going to learn technical skills that you wouldn't normally get. Um, Plumbing Engineer Magazine is a big one. There's always um, technical stuff in there. Some of the biggest trainers in the plumbing and heating industry write in these magazines. Mm-hmm. Most most of the writers own their own contractor business, and they're telling you about the stuff that they're finding that other contractors have missed. You know, it's I can't tell you what a wealth of information those magazines are, and they're free. Yeah. And, and you read them on your own time, you know? No doubt. Those, yeah, those are some great some great resources to go back and revisit. Uh, great great information. We really appreciate everything you shared. Uh, any any additional nuggets of wisdom or insight you'd like to share with that you know, plumbing you know either that plumbing business owner that's trying to you know get things off the ground or go to the next level? Well, I think the biggest thing that I could uh, offer anybody is work on work on your image and maintain your reputation. It's all you have. It follows you everywhere you go. It's what you are selling. Um, you know, like I told you, people do business with people they like. Mm-hmm. You need to learn how to like people if you really want to get ahead in any business, right. especially ours. And if you're a disagreeable, honorary person, people don't want to be around you. They don't want yeah. you in their house. Uh, if you have people running around in your trucks that are that guy, get rid of them. Sorry, go work somewhere else. Replace them. Yeah. Or get their attention and teach them how to be somebody else, you know, at least while they're at work. Um, that That's the biggest thing. Uh, reputation, 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 yeah. You got it. You got it. If you're genuinely helpful to others, likable and honest, most of the people you deal with will pick up on that, and they're going to keep using you. Absolutely. Well, well, again, we can't thank you enough for the time that you shared and the, and the knowledge that you've kind of put on display for, for the, the listeners. If you want to learn more about Scott and purchase his book, uh, and I highly recommend it because it's, it's a nominal cost and there's a, a wealth of information you can start to implement in your business, you can go to ProfitablePlumbing.com. That's www.ProfitablePlumbing.com. There you can see a, a little excerpt of the book the table of contents, and, of course, purchase a, a copy directly on his on his site. Well, of course, if you'd like to get more ideas, tips, strategies, and techniques on how you can more effectively market your plumbing or HVAC business, uh, I'd encourage you to go to plumbingmarketing.net. There you'll find more interviews with other plumbing and HVAC business owners and business minds. Uh, again, that's plumbingmarketing.net. And, of course, you can just hit the subscribe button, enter your name and email address, and as new interviews are posted, you'll receive an email with a direct link to play those. Uh, really appreciate if you take the time, if you got value from this, uh, just to post your comments, uh, either underneath the, the section where you listen to this or if you're listening to this on iTunes, go into iTunes and post your feedback and your comments. That's, the, uh, you know, that's what we're after. We want your feedback. 
If you have additional ideas, questions, people you suggest we should interview, send them over. We'd love to hear from you. PlumbingMarketing.net. We'll talk to you soon.